Welcome to Sermon Audio from King Street Church, where it's our purpose to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. For more information about our church, please visit our website at kingstreetchurch.com. Good morning. What a privilege it is to be here, to be able to fellowship and worship together. We will be in James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. It says, Come now you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So for one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it for him, it is sin. So not only this morning is it a, a pleasure to, to be here, but it's also been a pleasure that we've been able to go through the book of James together. An even bigger one for me to be able to uh, preach this book to you today. James in itself is a book that's been given to us to teach us to draw near to God. How to gain wisdom along with humility. This is different than most New Testament books, however. When we think about a letter, it's do this, therefore, or do this and know why, compare and contrast. But when you read James, although it still reads like a letter, it definitely sounds a lot more like reading the Proverbs. This has so many imperatives or, or commands that tell the reader what to do and what not to do. And in this text this morning, the one that I read for you already, we'll see a section of James that illustrates how to draw near to God, how to submit to him, and how to be humble. Earlier in the chapter, God is teaching us that he opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's found earlier in the chapter in verse 6. He then gives us an imperative or command, submit therefore to God and resist the devil. And then finally, in verse 10, James reads, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. So the section starts with these imperatives and as we spend time through the rest of the chapter, James, all the way through chapter five, is teaching us exactly what it looks like to be humble. So there won't be a direct be humble, but because he told us already to humble ourselves in the presence of the Lord, he will exalt us. We will then see illustration after illustration of practically what that would look like. You saw last week how you are not to judge your neighbor because you are not the judge. Therefore, humble yourself. This scripture, uh, the one after today, sorry, 
one after today, will continue to show us how to be humble by showing us the folly in living for earthly pleasures, teaching us patience, asking for prayer. There's humility in just asking for prayer. All of these take us, take us, uh, give us time to humble ourselves, to draw near to the Lord and submit to him. And so today, instead of focusing on that whole section of text, we focus on this small section that can easily be read over. But what we see in James 4, 13 through 17, is that there is one, there's a point when planning becomes arrogant. And two, that God's sovereignty and his providence should humble us. So let's jump right into it. First, let's explore what happens when planning and when planning becomes arrogant. I don't personally believe that I have any fancy words or beautiful uh, beautiful display of illustrations that would be better than what James actually just said. So let's look at what James says. Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. Yet do you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. Yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. Why did I write that twice? For you are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. He's very clear in what he's saying. He gives us these very simple sentences. But you're stuck in your, you're looking at that and you might ask, well, how's that arrogant? Just as we decide to put ourselves in God's place to judge others, as earlier in the text, we put ourselves in God's place to say what tomorrow will bring. The planner in, this, in these verses 13 and 14 makes quite a few assumptions. They're assuming when. So it says today or tomorrow. I know I'm going to. They say, who? We will. So not, not only are they assuming that they will, their souls will be preserved and they will be there today or tomorrow. Whoever they're with, they're assuming, will be there today or tomorrow. How? We will go. They know their transportation will be there. They know the past of, that they will be taking will be there. They know the methods that they will use to transport whatever they need to transport will go as, as smoothly as possible. Or, or they have the plan for if it doesn't go well. They have, all, have it all thought out how they're going to get there. Where? To such and such a city. They know exactly what city it is. They know exactly how that city is going to be. Exactly where in that city they're going to do it. They go from place to place and they know that it's going to be there. They know how long. They say we'll spend a year. So it's not only them planning for today or tomorrow. They're planning for the time that it takes to get to this place. The time that they're going to take uh, in the city. 
And then they go even further to say what they're going to do. They're going to engage in business and make a profit. The planner has it all figured out. Friends, a vapor. A vapor is but a vapor. A vapor has no authority, power, or foresight to speak absolutes. The arrogance is that there is no submission in our thoughts or in our actions that declare that God is the one who is in control. And we simply do not know what's going to happen tomorrow. Or even the rest of the day to think about that. If a vapor lasts a moment, and that's us, we... We actually can't even be certain what right now in the present will do for us. There's so many times in our lives where we can be in the moment and think we have it figured out. My friends, remember, we are vapors. Maybe you might even say to yourself, playing like this all the time. I wake up, going to the store, or I'm going here, or I'm meeting this person, or I'm meeting that person. If it's so, I want you to see the error that comes with something that comes so naturally to us. We are so good, so good at acknowledging ourselves as the ones that know everything and not acknowledging God. And failing to submit to him. Okay, so then there's another extreme. Well, if you're saying me planning like this is bad, then I'm not going to I'm not going to plan at all. And I'm just going to let God take care of everything and he'll provide everything that I need. I won't I won't plan at all. I'm going to tell you something that Paul says. Paul says that this would actually be very foolish In Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 17, he says, So then be careful how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So our problem is not planning. Our problem is planning like we are the ones that are sovereign and we're not as a vapor that is supposed to be submitted to the sovereign God. This is why it's evil. James has been telling us to draw near, to be humble, to submit. Do we not see how in arrogant planning we ignore it? We disobey? That is evil. When we plan as if we are sovereign, we are not dependent on our father who freely calls us to come to him. My friends, I believe that it's clear to see why planning like this is arrogant. Because it's evil. It, It completely ignores God's will for you. For me. And so instead of just really going, it really just beating us over the head and understanding how uh, arrogant our planning can be, 
I think it would be even more precious to us for this time to explore how God's sovereignty and his providence humbles us. In verse 15, James says, instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. Now, now James is not saying just add a phrase to your arrogant planning. Okay, so the idea is you don't just you make your plans and then you say, oh, well, you know, if God wills. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians 17, understand what the will of the Lord is. In our text, we're called to submit as one who is a vapor. But this is not just for us to submit to God with our plans. But it's for us to be humble in our plans by looking to God as the one who is sovereign, who has providence over all things. The words in verse 15, when it says the Lord who wills, shows us his sovereignty. God's sovereignty is his will, his power, control, and his right over all of things. Over all of creation. I would really, I really want to show you what God's word actually says about his sovereignty. It shows us God sitting on his throne with absolute power, with no need for guidance and accountability. In Psalms 115, our God is in heaven. He does all that he pleases. He's not asking for favors. He doesn't have a, a board. He does as he pleases. God is the creator. He did not inherit any type of authority or power. He is the beginning. He is the alpha. He is no equal. He actually is the one who gives power to kings and riches to nations. In 1 Chronicles 29, 11 and 12, it says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power, and the glory, and the victory, and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are to be exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Proverbs 16, 4, the Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. And finally, we see in Isaiah 45, 7, God having sovereignty and providence, not only the good things that happen, but evil. Isaiah 45, 7 says, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Our God is not a vapor. He is the eternal uncreated one that is all-powerful and all-knowing. And we submit to him. As a creature, as a created being, your call is to submit to him. So what more would his children do? The cows 
submitted, crying to their children. They submitted and moved forward. All of creation, when Jesus tells a storm to stop, it stops. Children of God, what are we to do? But let's talk a little bit more about his providence. When we think about his providence, providence is how God governs creation. He rules over it. God's providence is him providing if we live or do this or that. So the Lord wills sovereignty that we live and do this or that, his providence. God will provide the who, the what, the when, the where, the how, the how long, etc. He is in absolute control, which is in total contrast to what the plan maker is thinking and believing. Look at how your father rules and provides for the world, for you, for me. He has made the heavens and the earth and all that is in it, and he's holding it all together, preserving it. In Nehemiah 6, it says, you are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their hosts, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them. And you preserve all of them and the hosts of heavens worship you. What a beautiful sight. By his power, he even provides what we need to live and not just live as our daily bread, but but being our daily bread of how we even spiritually can be healthy. And second, Peter one, three says his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to this life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Church, we have a great God. He is not an idol that can be manipulated or deceived. He's a God that is almighty who calls us to trust, to trust him with our plans, to trust him with our souls. We are but vapors. He makes nations great and destroys them. How does, how can we see the power, the glory, the majesty and his vapors say, I got it. No big deal. Friends, that's evil. That's that's looking towards Satan. That's looking to, to be like Satan when he looks at God as the most high and says, I will be higher. That's why earlier in the text, he says, submit to God and resist the devil. Your plans are not simply plans. They mean things. They reveal things that are in our hearts. And by this knowledge, this knowledge of God's sovereignty and his providence, we should humble ourselves. We can look to God and say, you are in charge. We submit to you. We take our desires. We line them up with his desires. And we plan. (laughs) And we plan. I'm going to I'm going to walk through these scriptures and I want you to see if there's a pattern there. Proverbs 16, three, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. 
Proverbs 16, 9. The heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Proverbs 3, 6. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. I could go on, but it seems to be there's a very biblical way to make plans. It seems to be telling us in God's word that God is ultimately in control of what is happening. And that's happening regardless. And we fall into. And that can either be our resistance or alignment. What God is saying is going to happen is what is going to happen. Because he is the one in control. Once again, let's not let's not be vapors who think they can build nations and destroy them. We can have our kingdoms here, our little houses, our our plans, our families, our jobs, our goals and all of these things and feel like we're more than vapors. But I promise you, we're vapors. God's word says that we are vapors. We are but a mist. What a silly thing to be and to boast in. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. I said earlier to you who naturally plans arrogantly that I hope you see the error in not humbling yourself for God. So let's think together or listen together what it could be like when we actually plan humbly, when we follow the patterns that we're given in the Proverbs that we've seen. First, care. I'm serious. Care. It may be natural to plan arrogant because we simply just do not care about God's will for our lives. It's so easy to wake up in the morning and say, I have to do blank. Or to stay up late at night and say, I have to do blank. That is very natural. We can be so convinced that we are in control that we fail to meditate on God's will for us. And this battle against arrogance doesn't start with the plan. It starts with, do I believe in my heart that God is in control and in charge of all things? Therefore, I submit to them care. Another prayer. We have to draw near to our father. When we pray, we're communing with him. We are aligning ourselves with his ways. We're asking for wisdom. We're praising him for how he is ruling over our lives. We're thanking him and more. If we have a culture of prayer, that alone declares our dependence on him. And if we have our dependence on him and we seek him in prayer, naturally what will come behind is humility. And then finally, as another suggestion, there's our response. Our response to when things don't go as we plan. Or our response to when things go as we plan. Regardless of if it is good We can say, praise God, thank you, 
And if it's bad, we can say, praise God. Thank you. Why? Because we can be secure that God does all things for his glory and for our good. And if God is the one that is ultimately in control, he is the father to us that says yes or no. But I not want us to be confused. Because although those things will help us, those things will be what we need. We cannot do this on our own. Our boast is in Christ. It is in him that we first humble ourselves and submit. Without the blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we could not stand before God in righteousness. We could not draw near to our Father and acknowledge him or even see his sovereignty and providence. And that alone should humble us. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. If you're one that does not believe in Christ as Lord and Savior, you have no hope. Your plans and desires will not align with God. If you see no need to trust in Jesus, you are not only arrogant with your plans, but friend, you are arrogant with your soul. Come to him. God is calling sinners today to trust him, to draw near to him. Seek him out. Do not be arrogant and think that you do not need God. Or be arrogant to think that you have enough time. You are a vapor that will quickly pass away and will stand before God to be judged. You will pay with your life. And you will be justly judged into hell forever. Hear God's warning and humble yourselves and draw near. The first step is simply trusting and believing in Jesus. Humble yourself as a prideful sinner. You will draw near as one that is completely dependent on God and submit to the Lord as a sovereign ruler of all. Well, what does that mean for the believer? To you, O child of God, lift up your eyes and see your father in heaven. We have been told from James to ask, to pray, to do what is right, to draw near, to submit. Our God has given us such a warm invitation of community that he paid with his blood for us to have. He is our father who loves us and cares for his children. Jesus even says in Matthew 7, 7 through 11, he asked, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or what person is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf of bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, he will not give him, he will, will he not give him a snake? So if you, despite being evil, know how to give good gifts to your child, how much more will your father who is in heaven give you good things to those who ask? Our father is calling us. Your God is calling you. Sinner. Redeemed. The message is the same. Draw near. Humble yourselves. As we close, I'm reminded of a quote that I was taught in high school and we used to say it over and over and over. And it was really simple. I am the captain of my fate 
and I am the master of my soul. And we would say that to kids that we were mentoring and we would just say it over and over and it made me feel so powerful. I'm a vapor. And that's a lie. It is my hope that as we look to the scriptures and see how awesome our God is, we can truly follow James's commands to draw near to God. If we see God for who he is as a sovereign God and trust what he is doing and trust it in his providence, we will then humble ourselves and submit to his will. Which will then be how we flee from arrogant planning. And then we can say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. So instead, it may be for you, instead of thinking about how you're planning or what you're planning, you check and see if the plans you have been making acknowledges that God is sovereign and have providence. Let's pray together.